how unique of a story was that? I want to make one mention just real quickly. I meant to do so earlier, but I want to say a very special God bless you to Sister Cleta George, who is with us today. And we had farewell service, um, memorial service for her husband yesterday. And uh, please remember her and her family in prayer. Amen. Pray for God's strength in her life. I want to ask you to stand up with me today. I'm going to go right to the Word of God. I'm really excited to share this message with you. I'll give you some context to it. A little bit of scripture reading here along the way, but we are going to open with a Psalm of David. I think I read a little portion of this last week or two weeks ago. Psalm 27. You can turn there with me and they're going to show this on the screen. And we're going to just read it's 14 verses here today. And then we're going to try to connect to it in a different connect some things from other passages here in just a few moments but I I can't tell you how I appreciate you being in service with us and I do pray that all of us would just be able to somehow lay aside the I know you may have a busy afternoon and maybe had a busy yesterday but if we can just kind of pause and say God let me hear from you today I think that'd be a really uh, appropriate thing for us to do the the psalmist David notice that it's in the introduction it's a psalm of David so these are born David wrote psalms based upon his most recent experiences and that's why they're so valuable to read when you're going through challenging situations in your life because you'll 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 connect to his faith and his passion before God the Lord is my light and he's my salvation whom shall I fear the Lord is the strength of my life of whom shall I be afraid When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord. We know God's beauty uh, is, is easily seen by the eye of the Spirit. And to inquire in His temple, for in the time of trouble, I love this, for in the time of trouble, we all have times of trouble, He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above my enemies. You remember those enemies he talked about in the second verse? They come to to eat up my flesh. But God said, I'm going to lift you up. Therefore, David said, I will offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing Yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidst, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger, that thou thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. What a promise. Verses 11 through 14 to conclude this. Now listen, let's pay close attention to these last four verses here. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of my enemies, for false witnesses have risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Verse 14, wait on the Lord. There's a word right there for somebody. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Psalmist David concludes this poetic psalm by saying, Wait, I say, on the Lord. And I've had this in my thoughts this week, and I want to kind of share with you in a few moments what led me to this place, but I want to talk to you from this thought. 
lead me in a plain path. Lead me in a plain path. That was David's request to God, wasn't it? How many of you ever had a moment where you needed God to lead you in a plain path? And then, he, then I put a little addendum under this, discovering God's direction. I felt in my heart this week that I was not alone, that perhaps there would be somebody or a multitude of people under the sound of my voice today that you're needing God's direction in your life, something very particular. I'm not talking about just as a, a, a high school graduate that says I'm trying to choose my career choice. I'm talking about maybe a situation that's just come upon you suddenly, and you got to make a decision. You need the wisdom of God, and you need God's direction. I feel that in my heart, and so we're going to join our faith in that agreement. Father, I love you, and you know, Father, the situation, Father, and certain things in my own personal life that has led me to share, Father, from this thought, because I, I join my faith with a listener today that somehow, together, collectively, we can hear from you and gain the direction that we need in our lives and to be able to look to you with clarity, look to you for answers. God, we say with David, lead me in a plain path today, God. Let us find the direction that, you're, that you have for us, God. We know that you have it, and we pray for it today in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen, and you can be seated. Now, this particular poetic psalm maybe has a match for it a little bit earlier in the life of David. Maybe this is an expression. Maybe this was captured in the moment. David often penned psalms, and I can say this very respectfully, in the heat of the moment. Poetic praise would rise up in the middle of his heart when there were those that were encamped round about him as an enemy to take his life. And let me tell you, the gift of God sometimes is most agitated in your life and begins to surface when things around you are very frustrating and agitating. That's when the gift of God begins to stir up on the inside of you. And I have to believe that David's poetic gift that was capturing for us the heart and the mind of God would be agitated in moments of discomfort, moments of uncertainty, moments that were oftentimes life or death situations. I may be preaching to somebody under the sound of my voice today that you're in a life. This is not one of those messages that's just uh, cookie-cutter, carbon-copied this is something that's stirred because of my own personal things that I want to talk to you about here in just a moment. I love what David did throughout this psalm, and he just kind of gives us a few nuggets along the way. And I chose this psalm to identify with it, but I love where he brought us at the end. That when you just don't quite know, and I want to go back to what happened on Wednesday night. A week ago, we sang a song, and I found great clarity in my own heart and life. When Shane sung a song that said, when I don't know what to do. I put my trust in you. And I like what David said, wait on the Lord. When you're in that place that's a discomforting place, it can even be a dangerous place, a frustrating place, be very careful to not be moved to hastily make a decision, but to wait on God. How many know sometimes waiting on God is the most difficult thing that we can do? Because oftentimes we begin to presume that it is our responsibility to initiate something that is outside the order of God's will for our lives. And oftentimes the, the circumstances that get created as a result of that only add to the difficulty and not take away from it. This past week, I was thinking about this, and I wrote it this way, seeking God for direction is a common petition within the kingdom of God, isn't it? I mean, it is. We look to the Lord. We pray and we ask God for direction. And I have a personal stimulus in this message because over the latter several weeks, and I've had multiple areas in my own personal life that I'm not going to talk to you about any of my personal life other than the fact that I've been faced with decision-making. And sometimes, you know, it's been some really difficult decisions, and there's some things I just haven't found that good, clear direction. And when you, how many of you, when you have a decision that you have to make, it really dominates your thoughts, right? And it's hard. And so sometimes, it's di sometimes those preachers can separate our personal life long enough to be able to step in this pulpit and be able to preach 
and, and it not be directly, uh, you know, evolving from our own personal situation. But I couldn't do that this week. I found myself in my own personal meditations, my own contemplations. When I, because I don't like to, I try to cook a message all week. You know, I try to put this thing on by Sunday night. I'll be, Lord, I need a word for next Sunday. Looking ahead, because when I get that word, I want to just kind of meditate on it and muse on it. But when you've got your own mind is conflicted, you've got different thoughts. It's hard to do that at times, to separate from your own personal situation and then be able to get a voice or hear uh, the Lord's voice. And so I thought to myself, well, you know what? Maybe I don't need to. You know, because prophets of old, God often used the plight of their personal situation to speak to his people. Did you know God told the prophet Hosea to go down and to take a wife from the red light district of Israel? Because God wanted to use his life and his interactions with his wife to be able to speak to his people. Especially when his wife left and went back to her previous occupation and he had to go down and search for her. God used that to speak to the children of Israel to reveal his heart to the people. So I thought to myself, God, then maybe you want to use the uncertainty of my own personal situation of making decision of somebody that's wanting to pillow their head on the bosom of Christ to hear his heartbeat, to know the steps that I need to take so that we can kind of identify it congregationally. We can connect to it. I believe that God wants to lead us. I believe he wants to lead us in a plain path. I just want to find his path. I want to find this direction. You know, I believe that God can lead us in, a, in many different directions. God can, can direct our steps. Let me share with you. I believe today that God can give you a prophetic word. I believe in a prophetic word, don't you? I believe there are times in our lives where God speaks to us through a prophetic word. We find in the life of the Apostle Paul, who was an apostle of divine revelation. We even remember that Paul said of himself, I knew a man. He said, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. He said, but this man was caught up to the third heaven where he heard revelation and he saw things that was not even allowed, that he wasn't even allowed to speak. But Paul found himself trying to determine the will of God on multiple occasions when you follow his narrative in the book of Acts. Even on more than one occasion, God brought somebody into his life that had a prophetic word that he spoke it into his life. And his, and his, his direction was determined by that prophetic word. I believe in that, don't you? That's why I want to stir up the gift of God. I thought to myself, God, the thing I want to do today, I want to pray with people here at the end of this message because God can agitate a prophetic word in our hearts to speak a word to somebody here today that's needing to hear from God. Number two, I believe in prophetic dreams. I believe God can speak to you through a dream. Now, I also believe in exposing those things to wise counsel. So I'll take, yes, I believe in prophetic dreams. How many of you know that Joseph's path was directed by God through a prophetic dream? And I'm talking about both Josephs. The Joseph that's the son of Jacob, but also the Joseph that is the father, in essence, of Jesus, or who would raise him in his own house. And his direction was often determined by a prophetic dream. So be very cautious and listen and pay attention if God is speaking to you. There, write those down, expose those to someone who uh, has, a, has an understanding so that you can get counsel. I also believe in the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. And that's the thing that I want to train my, vo my ear to hear because I believe we all have the indwelling prompting and the leading of the Holy Spirit where God can lead us by His Holy Spirit. And certainly, I believe in a multitude of counsel, don't you? Now, I know that sometimes counsel, uh, an entire group of people coming together can make the wrong decision. Did you know there was a time in the life of David, and David's going to be the one that we look through his lens here in just a little while. But does anybody remember the narrative when David was wanting to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel? Because it was in his heart to see the presence of God near to the house, or near to his house, and bring it back to the to the center. Because Saul had moved the Ark to the side. Mark, Saul wasn't seeking after the presence of God. David gathered all the leaders of Israel and all the people together, and he said, Saul hasn't sought after the ark of God. But he said, but I want to make sure we got the presence of God in our midst. Let's go and get it. Man, everybody said, let's go. And nobody sought to seek the counsel of the word of God. 
And the entire people group went up after the ark of God. And that's that famous passage where they placed the ark of God on a new cart. And they led it by oxen. And when he got to the threshing floor, the Bible says that it stumbled. And one of the priests reached up his hand to stay, to stay the ark. And God smote him because nobody was to touch the ark. Nobody was to carry the ark but the Levite and the priesthood. And as the end result, the Bible says there was a breach. I've had breaches in my life because I didn't follow the wisdom of God. And I didn't seek the counsel of God. We're going to put a few verses of Scripture on the, on, the, on the board for you today or on the screen for you to see for just a moment. And I'm going to walk these down. I want you to just see these because I want to confirm the promises of God for just a moment that it is the will of God for us to gain the direction that we need in our heart and life. So as these Scriptures are, are placed up there, just let them be written on the tablet of your heart. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I can tell you many times in my life when I have needed direction, when I have needed direction, that I've been able to go to the Word of God, and I've been able to say, and hopefully not fall into the trap of soothsaying, but fall into the place where I fall before God and say, God, your Word is a lamp unto my feet. It casts direction for me, and that God is able to direct me in the steps that I make, and the choices that I make, and the decisions that I make, because He's revealed a Word to me. Do y'all believe that today? I believe that in the Word of God. We see that in Psalm 109 or 119 verse uh, 105. Psalm 37 verse number 23 says the steps, listen to this, the steps of a good man. And when I pray that for our church family, I pray it this way, the steps of a good man and a good woman. That's a good place to say amen, ladies, about six of you. The steps of a good man and a good woman are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. And I like verse number 24. Let's read that together as well. Though he fall, I'm going to tell you, God is gracious. Even when you've made the wrong decision, God is always there. If your heart is pure before his, how many know that when you get up, God will redirect you in the right way that you should go? And even though you fall, he says, you will not be utterly cast down, for the Lord will uphold you with his hand. God's going to keep you because your heart is set on his. 1 Samuel chapter number 9 is a record when they were searching for direction in the days of ancient Israel. And I want you to see this because I just believe in capturing this picture for just a moment. In verse number 9, it says, Behold now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man, and all that he saith cometh surely to pass. Now let us thither, let us go thither, peradventure he can, look at this, show us our way that we should go. And that's why I believe in the prophetic word today, don't you? Now, I said that previously, but I want to echo it again today. That's why I challenge you and our staff challenges you to stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you. Because you never know when God can use you to be a prophetic voice to a person that's searching for the wisdom of God. I've often made and almost made personal decisions that would have been wrong and put undue stress on my family. But God altered the course of my path by a prophetic word. I remember years ago when I was so zealous of being in the ministry full time and I was in the Air Force and I was longing and I had an opportunity to perhaps begin to pursue after a pastorate that would have been a disaster. It would have been an absolute disaster. And there was a tent meeting in Rosebud by an evangelist that I had been familiar with from earlier days when I would first received the baptism of the Holy Spirit named Charles Thompson. And I'd come from Little Rock Air Force Base through, uh, in the summertime for that camp, for that, for that tent meeting. And in my heart of hearts, uh, I was going there because I knew that God would use the man of God to share a prophetic word that would say, Go to the nations, O thou young man, holy man of God. I went there just waiting for God to give me that affirmation because, you know, I was stirred in my spirit and I knew that, man, God was going to do this with my life or that with my life. And it came time and Brother Charles ministered the word and then as was his custom, he brought everybody to the front. And when he did, he wouldn't pray for everyone, but he would just pray for those that he felt led to go to. And as he began to move through the crowd, he came to me. And when he got to me, he began to prophesy about the ministry. And he spoke about my future in ministry. And then he said these words, the words that I did not want to hear. But let me just tell, tell you this today. If you're going to follow God's direction, you've got to receive even the words you don't want to hear. 
The words I didn't want to hear were what he uttered when he said, the Lord says you're not to leave your training ground right now. Said those exact words to me right there, prophetically, not knowing that I came there looking for God to give me a word to tell me to go and and to launch out in ministry. And the Lord said, I've got you right where I want you. You're in a training season in your life. How many of you know you make poor decision when you leave your training ground? You're not equipped for the task that is in front of you and your destiny that's in front of you. And God used a prophetic word to help me not make a decision that would have put myself and my family at risk. Oh, how we need prophetic words in the church today. Amen. Let's read on down a little further. Isaiah 48 and 7 says, He leads thee by the way that thou should go. Let's read it all there. I'm the Lord God, which teacheth thee the prophet, which leadeth thee by the way... Look at that. That's a promise from God to you that if your heart is pliable and you're listening, God said, I'll lead you in the way that you should go. Man, that's good right there, isn't it? Psalm 107, verse number 7. I found this one to be the most common usage of being led in the Scriptures of any certain particular situation because this deals with Israel in the wilderness journey. How many of you believe in that wilderness journey? There were, the, the whole journey was about following the will of God. How many of you know that's part of our journey? Learning to follow the will of God. And look what the psalmist said. The psalmist said that he led them forth. This is the way I want. This is the path I want to choose. How about you? What is that? He led them by what? Look at that. The right way is not always the easy way. Oh, I felt that drop down in my spirit because I know that in our culture today and in me, myself as well, I think that if it's God's way, it's always going to be easy. It's always going to be. Remember, when God led Israel out, he could have took them through the land of the Philistines because when he was bringing them to Mount Sinai where he would appear unto Moses again as he had appeared previously, the narrative in the book of Exodus plainly says he could have led them by the way of the Philistines along the coast, but he chose not to do so because had they seen war, they would have turned and would have returned back to Egypt. So he led them through the wilderness. He led them through the rocky crags. He led them through the sun by day and the cold by night. He led them through the wilderness where there were fiery serpents and there was famine and there was a lack of meat. God took them that way so that he could teach them his principles of life and faith where they could learn to put their trust in him, right? So that they could say, God, I'm going to follow you. Well, God said, I'll lead you in the right way that I might take you to a city of habitation. It's God's will for us to go the right way, but the right way is not always the easy way. Get that down in your spirit before we go any farther into this message. The Bible says that Jesus was led up of the Spirit in his days, that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted and tried of the devil. Colossians 3 and 15 and Philippians 4 and 7 are two that I want to close in just giving you just a few promises that I believe in. Don't forget this one because we're going to come back to it here in just a moment. But Colossians 3 and 15 says that in the peace of God, I have found in my life that if God will grant me peace, I can do whatever it is he asked me to do. Come on now, church family. That's the thing that we often need above all else is the peace of God. No matter how difficult the task may be, no matter how much I don't want to do it, Or no matter how much, if I don't want to go there, but if the Spirit of God has dropped a supernatural peace in my heart and mind, then I can do what God's called me to do. And so can you. And there's another verse of Scripture that's in conjunction with this, written to the church at Philippi. Look at that one with me before we kind of move away from this. Be careful for nothing. What does that mean? Don't be anxious for anything. How many of you know that sometimes when you've got a big decision to make or difficult decisions, it's hard not to be anxious? Come on now, are you all out there? Right? I mean, it is. Anxiety weighs on your heart. And I'm not saying that you're so anxious that you're fretting or worrying, but if you can think on something too long, it can become anxiety. 
right? And then your countenance can be affected by it. And then suddenly you'll find yourself being snappy or short with people that you normally would not be short with. And it's not because you got anything, uh, you know, against them whatsoever. It's because there's an unsettledness inside of you. Because you're frustrated by the fact that you haven't been able to hear from God. And so here the writer Paul says, so don't be anxious. He gives us a prophetic word. Don't be anxious for anything. So what I do with that, what I do with that uncertainty, by prayer with thanksgiving, right? By prayer and intercession or supplication with thanksgiving, not without thanksgiving, let my request be made known unto God. Pour out your complaint unto the Lord, your petition unto God. Pour out your, your, your need for direction. And when I say complain, I don't mean it in the same way that we use it today, but I'm talking about your petition unto God. Pour it out unto the Lord. And then look what he said, seventh verse. Is this is a, a connection to this? And what, what does God promise that will come to you? What did he say will come to you? You say, Pastor, I'm in a situation that, man, it's hard. It's heavy on my mind. I don't know what to do. Well, the psalmist David said, wait on God, so don't do anything. I learned this lesson years ago, and it's been trial and error, and if I'm not careful, I can still quickly fail in it, though I know I shouldn't. I can still go where I'm not supposed to go when I know I'm not supposed to. When God said wait, he meant wait. But it's easy for me to say, but I haven't heard from you, and so I want to go here. But if you, the safe place is to wait on the Lord. And here the Apostle Paul said that God said, I'll give you something that will pass all understanding. Even your ability to contemplate it will be a supernatural work of His Holy Spirit who dwells on the inside of you. And God said, I'll give you peace that will keep, what will it do? Your heart and mind. Then you can get up in the morning and say, I'm going to bless the Lord on my soul. I may not have clear direction just yet, but I'm not going to get moved into the carnal, fleshly decision-making process. I'm going to wait on God because I have a peace that God's going to bring clarity at the right time. Now, that's a level of spiritual maturity that God wants all of us to go to. But the reality is, is that many times few of us are ever there because we get hasty before the Lord. Hello? And it's quiet in here today. It's quiet, I think, because most everybody's identifying with the subject matter. Because determining God's direction is often the thing that you want the most, but sometimes it's difficult to determine. Hello? And what are we going to do? We're going to wait on the Lord. We're going to wait on God. I want to wait on Him. And I've got to temper myself. Come on. I've got to show temperance, self-control. I've got to trust that God knows exactly where I am. When I went back to Jacksonville years ago and I was in the Air Force, and I left that camp or that tent meeting that night, I was frustrated because I went there, as I said, wanting to hear from God Wanted to know, I heard from God, but he didn't say what I wanted him to hear. That's where you get yourself in trouble. When you want your prophetic word to be what you, a tickle your ear moment to tell you what you already think you should do. When God says, I'm going to show you the exact opposite of what you thought it was going to be. But when I drove back that night, there's one thing that I could take confidence in. That God knew exactly where I was. And let me say this to you today, God knows exactly where you are. He knows your plight, He knows your situation, no prayer will go unanswered, but you got to wait on the Lord. I want to talk to you today just a little bit about affirming this passage through the narrative of the life of David for just a moment. It's a familiar part of David's life, but I want to pick it up, and I want to use this. And you say, Pastor, why would you choose to do so? Do you not remember what Jesus did? When Jesus was teaching His disciples, it was about a decision that He had made and His disciples made. He said, have you never read what David did? So I'm just following the example that Jesus gave, and I want to follow it, and we're going to listen. We're going to pray that God's going to order our steps, and we're going to create an opportunity for us to come forward as a church family and pray and minister to one another and pray that the peace of God passes all understanding. Let me take you into David's life for just a moment, just very, very quickly. We know that after the victory on the valley floor of Ella, when David has miraculously conquered Goliath by the supernatural power of God, and David is elevated to a status almost unseen in all of Israel, 
to the degree where his popularity begins to rise, that it begins to create a jealousy in the king. David is doing nothing wrong in those days. David is a man after God's heart. He's honoring Saul as the king. But Saul has a deep-seated envy and hatred and jealousy because of David. And we find in this journey that there came a time when David, previously living in the house of Saul and was the best friend of Saul's firstborn son, Jonathan, that David had to leave because Saul had attempted to kill him on at least one different or two different occasions. And so David is determined that he has to leave. It's a tearful goodbye in private with Jonathan. You read about it in 1 Samuel chapter number 19 and 20 and 21 is this journey. But the Bible tells us, listen to this, that David first leaves without any weapon at his side. And you know where he goes, church family? He goes to Nob. He goes to Nob, and at Nob is where the, the, the tabernacle of Moses has been erected. And it's there that the Ark of the Covenant sits, and it's there that's the priesthood. And that's the famous passage of Scripture where David ate the showbread because David's journey was in haste, and he didn't take anything with him. And any of the men that were with him, there was nothing in the, their ability to feed themselves, but there was the showbread that had been before the Lord, and the priest willingly gave the showbread to David. We, is anybody familiar with that narrative? But unfortunately, the Bible tells us that there was a man named Doeg who was an Edomite who was detained before the Lord that day, and he saw David come. When David asked, he didn't ask for direction. He didn't ask for the priest to pray for him. He didn't ask anything at all. He just said, I don't have a weapon. And the priest said, there is one weapon here. You remember that weapon. It's the weapon that you took from the side of Goliath when the stone caused him to fall down, the stone that was in the sling and that was slung miraculously and penetrated into the forehead of Goliath. And you took his sword and severed his head, and you brought this sword to the tabernacle. I've got it wrapped up, and it's in the tabernacle. And so David said, there's none like it. Give it to me. And David took the sword of Goliath at his side, a few men with him, and he said, you know what? If I'm going to get away from Saul, you know where i got to go? i got to go to the land of the Philistines. Now, that doesn't seem to be good reasoning right there. The Philistines were the arch enemy of David and of the children of Israel, and David had killed Goliath. And when David spoke to the king, the king was pleased for David to have come to him to seek asylum. But it wasn't long before it began to be mused around Gath where he had gone, the, 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 the palace city there of the Philistines, that David is here. And they said, wait a minute, this is the one that killed our brother Goliath. This is the one that they sang songs about, how he's slaughtered men in battle. And they started planning to take his lives. Anybody remember that? And David knew that he had failed to gain the direction of God. I don't know about you. There have been times in my life I looked up and I was surrounded by my enemies and there wasn't anybody to blame but me because I didn't seek the wisdom of God. I didn't seek the counsel of God. I didn't seek the advice. I just went out after trying to escape. And David, that's when he said, i got to get out of here. And David feigned himself. Now, that's that famous passage. There is an actual psalm that's written later when David escapes because that's when he let the praise, come on, he let the saliva fall out of on his beard. And he's marked, y'all have heard me preach about it. I love it every time that I read about it because he marked the wall, scratched his way out. The king said, that man's crazy. God, I'm telling you, your praise can separate you from your enemies at times. That's why there ought to be praise in your mouth at all times. There ought to be praise. And so he was separated and he escaped. The Bible plainly says, I've found that to be in my own journey. I may not be preaching to anybody here today but me, but I'm going to preach today to myself. I'm going to preach myself happy here today because there have been times in my life I've not won the victory. The victory was I escaped out of a bad situation. And he escaped to the cave of Adullam. And there people began to come to David. And the Bible says that men that were distressed, isn't that who you want to see come to you? 
I'd be like, God, I need you to send me the mightiest warriors in Israel, all the valiant and godly men, men of integrity, men of discipline, men of character. But the Bible says that God sent to David all the men that were distressed, all the men that were in debt, and all the men that were discontented. But David became a captain over them, and together they formed a bond, and together they became an army, and God began to preserve David and keep him. And from that time forward, he began to search for the will and the heart of God. But there's an interesting thing that took place along this journey that i got to take note of just real quickly. Are you all right for me to preach this story today? I feel it in my spirit that along the way, remember I mentioned Doeg the Edomite? The Bible tells us that when Saul heard that David had went to Nob and obtained the sword of Goliath, the scripture narrative says that Saul went to Nob and confronted the priest. And Saul, in his jealousy uh, and his accusation, the priest said, I didn't do anything. I didn't pray for him. I didn't counsel him. I didn't seek the will of God on his behalf. All I did was give him a a little bit of showbread and gave him the sword of Goliath. But that wasn't enough for Saul and his bitter jealousy. He turned to his own army and said, I need you to kill all the preachers, all the priests. I want you to kill every man that's taking care of the tabernacle. And not a man of Israel would draw their sword. They were afraid to touch the anointed of God, but Doeg the Edomite drew his sword and went through and massacred all the priests of God until only one, the son of the priest, escaped and he found his way to David and he carried with him an ephod. And this ephod was most probably the breastplate of the high priest. And the Bible tells us from that day forward that David began to inquire of the Lord. You read it on your own. 1 Samuel 22, it turns over. David's making his own decisions. 1 Samuel 23, David begins to inquire of the Lord. We need to inquire of God before we do anything at all. Chapters 23, chapters 24, chapters 25, and chapters 26 are filled with David's journey in the wilderness. It's dangerous. It's deadly. He gets up every day not knowing whether or not it will be his last, whether Saul will take his life from him. And let me tell you what happens just real quickly. Y'all stay with me for just a few moments longer. And the scriptural narrative is David said, 1 Samuel 27, one day he got up and he said, there ain't nothing left for me to do but escape to the land of the Philistines. <laughs> Can we think about that for just a moment? The last time you were there, they almost killed you. And you escaped. No record of David inquiring of the Lord. No record of David seeking for the counsel of God. He just got up and said, I'm going to go. Well, everything seemed to be okay. The king gave him asylum, gave him a village to dwell in. And for 18 months, David was just dwelling there in the land of the Philistines until a fateful day came when the Philistines went out to battle with Israel. And David said, we're going to go out and we're going to fight on behalf of the Philistines. And when they got to the place of the battle, the Philistine lords said, these guys are not going with us. I don't trust their heart. In battle, they'll revert back to being the Israelite. They may have been in the land of the Philistines for 18 months. But I know that in the heat of battle, they're going to revert back. And so the scripture says that the king called David and his men and said, David, you're going to have to go back home. You're not going to get to fight with us. And David shows dejection, and he loads up his men, and they journey back to the village in which they had been dwelling. It's the land of Ziklag. It's the city of Ziklag. And that's what we're going to close with today as we search for determining God's direction. Y'all turn with me, if you would, and it'll be on the screen. In closing today, in 1 Samuel chapter number 30. Are you all out there today? Shane has been quiet since worship started today. But I'm going to trust that that means that the Lord is going to speak to our church family in a very personal way. God can speak to you from his word. Come on now. Let God speak to your heart. I'm going to say this today. I'm, I'm either way out there and I'm on an island by myself, and I'm the only person that's in a season and a moment of their life where I'm making multiple decisions that have uh, life-altering effects uh, accompanying it, 
and I need the direction of God and it's just me and I'm wasting all of your time or there's a number of people under the sound of my voice that says, Pastor, I need God's direction in my life right now because there's some situations that a decision, maybe it doesn't have to be made right now, but it's going to have to be made in the not too distant future and I want to make sure that I'm hearing from God and that I'm following the direction that God has for me. Let's walk this down in closing today and let's see if we can connect it to teach us how to trust the Lord to lead us in a plain path. The first verse says it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day while they were gone to fight against the Israelites in their absence the Amalekites had invaded the south had invaded the village that they had been given they had smitten Ziklag and they had burned it with fire. Point number one to drop down in your spirit very quickly. Some decisions that you made in haste will eventually lead to other difficult circumstances that you're going to have to deal with. And you might as well own up to it and recognize that where you're at and some of the things that you may be dealing with is because of a decision that you made yourself without the counsel of God. No record in 1 Samuel 27 says God told David to go to the land of the Philistines. We don't have it. We don't have the record of him even seeking for God's wisdom. He just went, and now everything was good for 18 months until a climatic moment when he gets near the city and he looks up and he sees willowing smoke going up toward heaven and he knows that something tragic has happened and they arrive there to see the city burn with fire. Number two, let me drop this down in your spirit. Don't panic when everything explodes. You say, Pastor, that's harder to do than what you're saying. I know it is, but you got to get control of yourself. Let's read this. And they had taken the women captive that were therein, and they, though they slew them not, neither great or small, but they carried them away, and they went on their way. And David and his men came to the city. It was burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, and their daughters were taken captives. And the, David and the people that were with them lifted up their voice to weep until they had no more power to weep. And I'm going to t- in just a moment, we're going to see that panic begins to set in amongst the men. But my challenge for you is guard yourself from panic when everything around you is exploding. Trust in the Lord. He'll take you to a rock that's higher than you are. That's why you need church in your life every time the doors are open. Because this is a safe place. Because sometimes you're going back to Ziklag and there's still smoldering ashes around you. And what you need is a safe place to say, God, give me my sanity. Give me just a moment to calm myself, to breathe deeply, to not react, to not overreact, to trust in the Lord. To say, I won't trust in the flesh. The flesh led me here. But I'm going to trust in a living God who's going to bring me out. Though I stumbled along the way, God said, I won't let you fall. That's a promise in God's Word. Look what real, let's go a little bit farther. Number three, people that you thought you could trust might suddenly be turning on you and blaming you. Church family, this is to add to that. Take no offense. Get it right before God. Your warfare is not with those flesh and blood around you. Come on, somebody. Look at this. They wept till there was no more power to weep. David's wives had been taken, verse 5. And David was greatly distressed because the people that he had vested in, that he had taken when they were discontented and distressed and in debt and penniless, and he had made them into a great army, but now they're thinking of taking stones and stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved for their own son and daughter. And so they fell into the, uh, the, 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 the common thing that many of us fall into, the blame game. And they wanted to blame somebody and they pointed to their leader David and said, David, it's all your fault. And this is the narrative. We've looked at it many times. Thank God for it. I've got it down here in my notes. I want to look at the end of verse number 6. So with people around him that he has fellowship with, but now they're talking about stoning him. He's got the loss of his wives. He's got the loss of his children. He's got the loss of his home. All of his resources, all of his assets are totally gone. But the sixth verse says, and this is a life lesson that only David gives us, and we've got to follow it, and we've got to let it become a part of who we are. David is encouraged himself in the Lord his God. 
What does that mean? David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. That's when I believe in all of my heart that David separated himself a stone's throw away from the men that were seeking to kill him. And David got his praise on. And David lifted up his eyes toward heaven. And David blessed the name of the Lord. And David had a praise service right there in the backdrop of the smoldering city with men with stones in their hand ready to kill him, not knowing about whether his children and his wives were alive or dead. And David said, I'm yours, Lord. Like Job of old, though you slay me, yet I will trust in you, God. I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to trust that you're going to preserve me. You're going to keep me. You're the God that keepeth Israel. And you shall not slumber. And you shall not sleep. Thank God for praise in the midst of a difficult situation. The Bible tells us that then David did what he should have done previously. And I'm closing here. He said, bring hither The ephod. Bring hither the ephod. What does that mean, Pastor Brown? The ephod was the breastplate breastplate of the high priest. And if you take the time to study this out, the Bible says and teaches us that on the breastplate were 12 stones. The 12 stones represented the 12 tribes of Israel. The high priest would wear them when he went into the presence of God. And it went in to inquire of God. And when he went into the presence of God to petition God. But there was also a pouch that was inside the breastplate. And in that pouch, they placed two stones. It was called in ancient Israel in those days, the Urim and the Thummim. And it meant the lightness. And what Jewish scholars tell us is that one of those stones would be yes, and one of those stones would be no. And one of those stones, when the priest would inquire before God, would lighten supernaturally by the presence of God. And that's why David brought the ephod. And he said, I should have did this when I came the first time. I won't make the same mistake again. I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to trust the Lord. And David had to be ready for whatever answer would come because David asked a hard question. Have you ever asked God hard questions? David asked hard questions. And David said, shall I go after them? And the high priest put his hand in the pouch, looked inside, and illuminating in his hand was the answer. You'll get up and go after them. So he got the answer that I don't know if he really wanted. But God said, get up. Then he asked another question, altogether different. I'm going to go after them, but will I find them? The high priest puts his hand in the breastplate again, and there's an illumination of a stone, and this stone, and he said, yes. Not only are you going to go after them, but you're going to overtake them. And then the Bible says, as if an addendum is given, God said, not only are you going to get up, and it's now time for you to act, And now it's time for you to go after them, but you're not only going to overtake them, but you're going to recover everything that the enemy has stolen from you and your family because I'm a God of mercy and I'm a God of grace. I've got direction for you, but you got to wait on me. If you do it your way, you're going to fail. You're going to be in a situation you can't get out of. But if you'll wait on the Lord, the Lord will direct your path. He'll lead you in the way that you should go. He'll lead you in a plain path. And did you know the Bible tells us that David overcame the Amalekites? He slaughtered the army and took back. And the Bible says they didn't lose a single wife, a single child, gained all their livestock, and got the gold and the silver that the Amalekites had taken and stolen from other villages. That's what can happen to our lives when we wait on the Lord. But when we fail to wait on God we get ourselves in some bad situations. So I'm going to ask you to stand up today. Some join me on the worship team if we could. And I'm just being very transparent in front of our church family today. Sometimes, church family, the most difficult thing to do is to wait. Sometimes because we get so anxious that without clear direction, we step out and begin to initiate things that proves to be the wrong thing. And I felt in my heart of hearts that I wanted to bring a word to you today because there could be some under the sound of my voice saying, wait on the Lord. God is saying to you today, wait on the Lord, trust in Him. Stay right where you're at. You say, Pastor, where I'm at is I'm in the middle of a field. And all around me there's confusion and strife. In the backdrop, the city burns. And in my, in my, in my dreams I could hear the sound of my children screaming. 
That's where David was. And you know what David chose to do? He chose not to do anything but lift his hands toward God and say, God, not only am I going to seek you for your direction, but I'm going to seek your face. Do y'all remember what Psalm 27 said? Psalm 27 said, Lord, your face. See, sometimes all we do is seek after direction. And God said, direction comes when you find me. Seek after me. Seek after my face. Behold my glory. Become pliable in my hands. Who here today, who here today would say, Pastor Brown, I'm going to be honest and transparent. I'm going to be courageous. I've got decisions that I've been needing to make or they're looming in front of me. I haven't determined God's direction. I'm waiting on the Lord. It's been a struggle and I need God's help. I just want to wait before God. I want to take a lesson from the example today and I want to come to the front and I'm just going to stand in God's presence and worship and trust the Lord. I want to ask you if that's you because I'm going to come down and I'm going to pray with you. If there's nobody, it'll be me. But I'll be standing right there and y'all could come and pray for me if that's the case. But if that's you and you say, Pastor Brown, I just, and I want the church family, I want you, Pastor Brown, to come by and just pray with me today, then, then that's me. Then come on right now. Come on, if that's you at all, just come to the front here today. I just feel in my hearts that we're not alone, that I'm not alone. That life is real. Life can be a struggle. It's hard sometimes to determine God's direction. But I commend all of you that are coming forward. Because what you're saying is you don't want to do anything outside the will of God. You want to learn from the Word of God. And you know that you have the potential to make the wrong choice. Right? We have the potential to make the wrong choice. I'm going to ask of our preachers and pastors and leaders. It will come alongside and just feel led to go and pray. And I'm going to take the anointing oil. I'm going to take the anointing oil and I'm going to come and I'm going to anoint each person with oil. And I'm going to lay my hands on them with them. And y'all are going to pray for me as well. And we're going to pray that God gives us peace. Come on. We're going to pray for God to give us peace, clarity of heart, be able to hear his voice. Let there be illumination. The Bible says the peace of God will rule in your heart. That peace might be the answer that you need. To determine the direction that God's determined for you. And you just need his peace today, God, in Jesus' name. Don't be afraid, guys, to pray. Don't be afraid to minister. Don't be afraid of a prophetic word. God, today we come today to anoint with oil. God, to anoint with oil in the name of Jesus. There's decisions. There's decisions. God, we need the peace of God. Church family, if you want to make this house a house of prayer... Now, if you have to leave, I'm going to ask you to leave reverently, being uh, uh, recognizing that people are making life-altering uh, decisions. And they've, come, they've honest, they've opened themselves up. So be, be aware of that as you leave today. If you, if you can't come or don't need, you're not able to come to the front, God bless you and come back tonight. God, we're here to, today to anoint with oil. God, we pray that you'll bring clarity. Prayer, clarity. And the church family, we're praying. We're waiting on the Lord. We're waiting on you, God. We're waiting upon the Lord. Father, I anoint Connie with oil. God, let her wait on you. Lord God, make a way, God, I pray in the name of Jesus. Bring that peace that passes all understanding. Bring the clarity of heart. Father, direct steps. God, lead, Father, by your spirit in the way that she should go and decisions.